The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for being with us on what turned out to be a historic week in thoroughbred racing. That's right. The test of champions was passed by American Pharaoh. And I don't know where you were, but if you were anywhere at a track or a parlor or a friend's house, there was some hollering and screaming and goosebumps to be had because we now have Another Triple Crown winner in American Pharaoh. Not since 1978 when Steve Cawthon and affirmed outgamed Alidar have we crowned a champion. And American Pharaoh certainly ran like one. Broke a tad awkwardly under Victor Espinosa, but they quickly uh, regained their stride. And from there, pretty much was all she wrote. Uh, led by uh, uh, head after a half a mile. Materiality tried to go uh, with him with Johnny V up, but uh, couldn't, couldn't handle it. And then uh, assuming uh, the, the, the chaser's role was uh, frosted through the lane, but every time Victor asked, he got pulled away by three, pulled away by five and a half at the finish. Frosted did hold on for second by two lengths over Keen Ice, who was a neck ahead of Mubtahij. And that was all she wrote. Congratulations to all the connections of American Pharaoh. And welcome again to Winning Ponies. Uh, I've got uh, two guests uh, that uh, will be helping us out with what's going on in Louisville on Saturday because American Pharaoh has been returned there and he is going to take to the track, but only in a form of a hero's reign on Saturday. We're going to have Darren Rogers with us, the Senior Director of Communications and Media Services Specialist down there at Churchill, also the keeper of the trophy. I want to hear about his trip to New York. He's the guy, you know, the Triple Crown Trophy stays at the Kentucky Derby Museum at Churchill, and so he's the guy that all over these years, whenever there's been a contender for the Triple Crown, has to bring the trophy from the museum at Churchill Downs. And then I figured since we've got uh, uh, four graded stakes races on the card uh, to surround American Pharaoh on Saturday evening, uh, we'd uh, bring out a Louisville native, Byron King, who is no stranger uh, to you here at Winning Ponies. And I hope you pulled down some easy win forms this week. Uh, we had some nice hits, uh, unbelievable, at uh, Delaware Park. A $1 pick five paid over $13,000. And then traveling north to Woodbine, we had a $1 super key that paid 3400 
going down the coast to warm Gulf Stream, a $1 Super 5 key wheel returned 9982 and had two hits at Mountaineer, uh, both of them Super 5s, one for 4800 one for 3100 Go to winningponies.com and pull down your easy win forms. Well, uh, we had uh, Tom Law on last week as one of our handicappers, and Tom wrote uh, a great article about the, the Triple Crown now that uh, American Pharaoh has joined the fraternity of the 11 previous Triple Crown winners. I wonder how many of you have seen the side-by-side video comparisons of American Pharaoh and Secretariat, because it pretty much went viral this week. Uh, I think when all is said and done, if you did the math using uh, fifths equaling a length, Secretariat would have beaten American Pharaoh by 15 lengths. But let's put some things in to perspective here, uh, that uh, American Pharaoh ran the sixth fastest Belmont stakes in the race's history. His two-minute, 26-second, .65 clocking was only slower than Secretariat, who went in 224, Easy Goer, 226, AP Indy, also at 226, Point Given, 226 and 2, and Risen Star at 226 and 2 fifths. And from that list of legends, only Secretariat won the Triple Crown. Uh, what's interesting is that American Pharaoh ran the second half of his Belmont faster than the first. The opening six furlongs in 113.41, and he came home in 113.24. And as you know, with that lead he had, he didn't have to be asked too much. But uh, so you really, to put it in perspective, I mean, he really did uh, finish strong and has to be considered at this point a, a great horse. And the great thing about it is the Zayats keeping him in training with Bob Baffert through the end of the year. I do believe that was a part of the contract they signed when they signed over the majority of his breeding rights. Uh, but his final six furlongs were run at 114.2. And uh, Citation, when he wanted his final six furlongs, were in 113. And Seattle Slough was 115 and three fifths. So American Pharaoh ran his final six furlongs faster than Seattle Slough. So, uh, again, when you see the side by side comparison with Secretariat, there is no comparison. But uh, American Pharaoh. Wow. Let's hope he uh, gets America excited about racing again. And they've been doing a great job of, of uh, keeping him available to the public. Of course, if you were there, if you had a friend who was there, you sent out a little money to the track, got a two-year-old collector's ticket. Now that you've got a triple crown winner, uh, they say that of the 94,000 cashed, 90,000 of them remain uncashed. And I know that yours truly has a couple in his back pocket. And, uh, Victor Espinoza, shortly after the Belmont Stakes, threw out the first uh, pitch at a New York Yankees game. And then uh, uh, Bob Baffert threw out the ceremonial first pitch at the Dodger game on Tuesday night. Uh, he was uh, there with his 10-year-old son, Bodie. He said, uh, well, that his uh, pitch was a little high and away, but at his age, you get a pass. So uh, it was Baffert's first ceremonial pitch since 2002 when War Emblem won the first two legs of the Triple Crown. Well, again, we're going to be talking to Darren Rogers coming up. A lot happening at Churchill. And American Pharaoh will definitely pump up the crowd. Uh, he is going to be uh, coming over kind of like they were, they were schooling him. Shortly after the sixth race, I do believe, I know they were working out final details, uh, 
you've got to remember we've got some great races, and we'll be handicapping those uh, with Byron King. You've got the Stephen Foster Handicap, a grade one, the first win in your end for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Then we've got the Fleur de Lis for the girls, and that is a win in your end, and that being a grade two at a mile and an eighth. And uh, two other grade threes, uh, the Matt Win and the Regret. Uh, could be a little wet weather down in Louisville. We'll uh, check in with the boys on that. Uh, reports now are a chance of about 60%, so we will find out. But some great, great races on the card. And there's going to be plenty of ways for you to, uh, to, to catch the action. Uh, NBCSN will have live coverage of all the events for a two-hour broadcast from 8 to 10. Now, those are Eastern times, okay? And... Uh, Horse Racing Radio is going to broadcast live from Churchill Downs from 8 to 10. Uh, so uh, you can also get it on AT&T Universe uh, and uh, tune into the Dish Network for the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series, winning your in. So there will be a lot of different ways you can get it. Uh, the two-hour telecast, uh, which is also going to showcase uh, American Pharaoh, is going to have some of the top people, Lafitte Pinkai III, Randy Moss, Jerry Bailey, Donna Barton Brothers, and Kenny Rice. And, of course, on the radio, our friends Mike Penna, Ellis Starr from Horse Racing Radio Network. So I'm sure you'll be able to Google that and find out exactly where you do, go to get all of the, uh, the action. So uh, don't forget now, as part of that night, you can get into the excitement of the Stephen Foster by playing the million-dollar finish. Um, it offers the chance to correctly select the exact order of finish in the race and win a trip to the Breeders' Cup World Championships. Now, it's free to enter, and fans, you can register and submit your picks for each race online. There's going to be a series of them at www.milliondollarfinish.com. Okay, I'll give it to you again, milliondollarfinish.com. So along with the 10 chances uh, to win uh, during the Challenge Series, you can enter for a shot at the ultimate prize of a $1 million during the Breeders' Cup World National Championships by predicting the correct order. So again, milliondollarfinish.com is where you want to go. All right, let's move ahead with some other stories uh, right now that we're looking at this exciting week. And uh, we're going to uh, sadly, I guess, announce the retirement of Garrett Gomez. Um, After a long absence of the sports, the multiple Eclipse Award-winning jockey made his retirement official on June 8th, more than a year and a half after his most recent mount. Uh, He put it in a Facebook page. Uh, finally answered the questions that we've all been wondering about. All I can say is I, I send prayers out and hope he's doing well. Uh, he did say in the comment that he'd like everybody to know he's officially retired from the sport of horse racing. I thank everyone for all I achieved and that had a part in my career. I had a lot of awesome moments in this game. So uh, the native of Tucson, Arizona, who won 13 Breeders' Cup races, officially will not be riding any longer. He retires with 3,769 wins from 21,000 mounts, and his mounts earned $205 million. So, Garrett Gomez, you will be missed. All right, 
We had so much good action. I want to thank uh, Eric Wing and Tom Law for helping us out on the show last week uh, with their, their handicapping picks. We already know uh, the result of the Belmont. In the Knob Creek, Manhattan, the winners, as a surprise at 14-1, to 1, was Slumber, pulled away to win by two and three-quarters lengths. The switch there, Chad Brown put blinkers on and Got what he wanted. Uh, Slumber finished over Big Blue Kitten, who was the slight favorite, and 19 to 1 shot legendary $2 tri paid $1,646. Then we uh, went to the Metropolitan Handicap. <clears throat> the winner in here, what a rally! I believe was last turning for home, and it was Honor Code, Suge McGahee, trainee put in a huge, strong rally from 10th to 1st to win by 3 and 3 quarter lengths in the Met Handicap. In the second spot was Tonalist, last year's Belmont Stakes winner, uh, the first time he had ever lost at Belmont Park. And third was the Speed Horse in the Met Handicap, Private Zone. From there... The Just a Game, grade one, $700,000. The winner in there was 10-pin, who uh, went off at 9-2, to put in a strong finish after prompting the pace. In the second spot was Falimbi, and third was the pace-setter, Discreet Mark. In the Acorn, it was a hard win for Curalina, Johnny V in the saddle for Todd Pletcher got the job done by By the Moon, who had set the pace. And Tom Law gave us a long shot in the race at 16 to 1, Wonder Gale. She managed to get up for the third spot. Then the uh, Brooklyn Invitational uh, was part of an entry. Coach Inge got the job done. Johnny V for Pletcher again got up by a neck. And uh, that group was sent away. At five to two, uh, in the third spot, a very game finish was VE Day. It was basically a two-horse race down the lane, one by five and a quarter over Sky Kingdom. Uh, then we went to the Ogden Phipps upset time, sent away at three to five. Champion Untappable, uh, Wedding Toast got the jump, went wire to wire, and just pulled away as Jose Lescano pleased and took down the Grade One Million Dollar race. There was no show wagering. In the second spot was untappable, just holding on over 16 to one shot, House Rules. And uh, two horses out of the Churchill Downs turf sprint were dominant in the uh, Jayapur Invitational. In this race, it was Channel Marker, who paid 23.60, who was sixth in the Churchill Downs turf sprint, who stayed bested over something extra, who had the speed most of the way. Third spot was ageless. In the Woody Stevens, it was March by a nose over Cinco Charlie coming out of the William Walker at Churchill. Well, that's a look at Belmont. Right now we're going to concentrate on Churchill Downs. And with us when we return will be Darren Rogers. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Shot. Got it! With 2.8 seconds 
deep to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us, all eyes on Louisville this weekend. And with us, Darren Rogers, the Senior Director of Communications and Media Services at the iconic Churchill Downs. In uh, the Olympics, they have the Keeper of the Flame. With the Triple Crown, they have the Keeper of the Triple Crown Trophy. And Darren Rogers gets to wear that hat for the Belmont Stakes. Darren, thanks for being on. What was it like? Uh, are there any anxious moments? Are you ever worried about leaving it in a cab or an overhead bin? There are a lot of anxious moments uh, traveling up there. You know, the Triple Crown Trophy was made... In 1978, unlike, uh, you know, like, for example, the Stanley Cup, it's not a perpetual trophy. The trophy's actually awarded, uh, to the winning owner of the, uh, Triple Crown, uh, horse, so it would go to Mr. Zayat. But that actual trophy was crafted in 1978, the fall of 78. Um, uh, after the, the, the most recent one was handed out to, uh, the connections of, uh, a firm. So it, it made the trip to New York 14 times before it was finally, uh, uh, given out on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it resides on an annual basis on public display in the Kentucky Derby Museum. They have more than 200,000 visitors that usually see it. But, uh, when it's, uh, on the line, we pack it up. It has its own custom hard plastic. Plastic travel case. Uh, I do uh, 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 notify security with the airlines that, that we do have it. Uh, they're very great to work with, and yet yeah, it goes in the overhead bin, and, and then you rent the car to drive to Belmont Park, and it's in the trunk, and yeah, <laughs> you're a little bit nervous until you get it delivered to that track, I'll tell you that. Now, Darren, do you have do you handle it with uh, white gloves or anything? I mean, it's a big. Oh yeah, it's sterling silver, so you know it only weighs about three pounds. But you know, it's sterling silver, so it marks up very easily. Uh, I can tell you the fingerprints uh, that uh, uh, donned it on on Saturday during the ceremony. They're still <laughs> on there right now. Got to scrub those clean, and and soon uh, we're going to use it as part of our ceremony on Saturday night. But uh, uh, right afterwards, we'll send it off to be engraved. 
Well, you know, uh, so many of us, I'm sure 99% of our listeners were, were at a racetrack somewhere around the country, around the world. I know what it felt like where I was, and it was so fantastic to hear the, the local live fans and the roar that they gave turning for home. But you were at Belmont Park. Uh, are your goosebumps gone yet? No, they're not. Uh, in fact, just when you started saying that, they started to come right back. And it, that 90,000 you know, person crowd, the roar, is something I, I, I soon won't forget. Uh, it was thundering, and uh, uh, I was going nuts. In fact, it was funny. We, we rolled video from the iPad of us watching the race from our vantage point on the trophy presentation stand. And uh, I hit octaves during that race that I didn't know I had. Uh, uh, you know, cheering this horse home, and it was uh, a great moment that 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 I won't soon forget. And it couldn't happen to a better horse. I mean, this horse is something very, very special. Not just his athleticism on the racetrack, but even his demeanor around the barn. Most good horses are aggressive by nature and have a, a you know a, 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 a high uh, temperament. Uh, this horse is like a lap dog. Uh, he'll snuggle up with you and, and uh, uh, want to cuddle and look for scratches, you know, and pets. Um, he's he's a real cool customer, and uh, it's going to be fun to parade him at Churchill Downs on Saturday night before a very large crowd that uh, I know will uh, uh, look forward to seeing him. Well, you know, you know, I've seen the photos all over the internet, and it seems like uh, uh, not only the Baffert uh, team but the Churchill team as well has, has done a great job of letting uh, you know th- those those that can get close to the horse. I saw a great picture of your buddy John Asher uh, proudly posed with him today, posted on his Facebook page. Yeah, he's a rock star. You know, the barn area remains closed. It's it's closed to the public, but to anybody with a, you know, racing license or an owner's badge or, uh, you know, a, a, a track officials, etc., that are back there, Jimmy Barnes, who's been uh, watching the horse for, for trainer Bob Baffert, you know, he, of course, is the, the chief assistant. They've been great to accommodate uh, uh, guests. I mean, this horse is a rock star, and, and, and his temperament permits it too by the way um i i i'll always remember going by the barn on saturday night i brought the trophy back to the barn so uh uh, uh baffert and his family and and, and victor espinoza and others could take pictures with the triple crown trophy near the near the horse in the stall and that horse just he posed for pictures didn't look tired at all after the race he ate two bags of carrots over the course of the night that's his treat by choice uh, he's just a cool, cool cat. Well, um, again, uh, I, I mentioned it at the top of the show, but you've got a lot going on on Saturday, including the, the parading of America's newest Triple Crown champion. You want to kind of just paint with a broad brush or give some timelines to our listeners? Should they be lucky enough to, to get to Churchill Downs uh, on Saturday? Well, I would highly recommend anyone within the area. In fact, I can tell you we've received phone calls from all over the United States, people looking to make the trek and, and, and drive here. And I think it's going to be a real special night to to remember. You know, let's just start it off in general, where it was a big night to begin with, with four stakes races, including, you know, the Stephen Foster handicap and the Fleur de Lis handicap for the Phillies and Mares. Those two races are part of the Breeders' Cup winning your in program. So uh, it's a great program. 
program uh, along with the Downs After Dark Night Racing that's uh, an event in itself. It just it's taken an entirely different level where it's all Pharaoh all the time <laughs> around here, and uh, uh, we're going to be parading American Pharaoh. The 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 the, the first of eleven races is at uh, six p.m. Uh, the racing will go until just after eleven o'clock at night. Get here early uh, because uh, the the parking lots are going to fill up early, and the uh, the gates will open at five o'clock. The first five thousand fans in attendance are going to receive a absolutely gorgeous and uh, uh, it's just uh, I love this photo by Michael Clevenger, the Courier Journal. We finalized a partnership with the Courier today, and uh, the first five thousand fans are going to get this print of American Pharaoh uh, winning the Belmont Stakes and, and, and completing the Triple Crown. Uh, we're also going to give away some American Pharaoh buttons selectively to about 2,500 guests. And then we're also going to have from 5 to 7 near the paddock area, uh, uh, we spoke about the Triple Crown trophy, but the winning connections of uh, American Pharaoh, Mr. Zayat, his family, Bob Baffert and his family, along with uh, Victor Espinoza. They're all going to be on hand to collect their Kentucky Derby trophies. So between 5 and 7 near the paddock area in the plaza, uh, we're going to have those trophies on display so uh, uh, the, the fans can come up and pose and take pictures with those trophies themselves. It's really going to be a great celebration with you know some commemorative uh, items to, to that'll last a lifetime of memories, and then it, uh, after the fifth race, that's when it's all going to happen. Uh, American Pharaoh's going to make his way onto the racetrack and uh, uh, walk over with his team, and uh, there's going to be some great videos on the big board, uh, the giant video screen that we have here. He'll probably spend some time in the paddock. Uh, when horses for the sixth race are running, and then he'll come out for that ceremony for the connections to get the uh, the winning Derby trophies right after race six. So between eight and eight forty-five is going to be the chance to uh, see American Pharaoh up close in person in uh, in front of a, a ravenous crowd that's just been starved for uh, a, a rock star like this. Well, uh, I, I can I, I can't imagine how busy you've been because every time I power up my com- my computer, I see a, another press release uh, from Darren Rogers. And the last one I got, this is pretty cool. That the veterinarian who's seen all the Triple Crown winners will meet American Pharaoh Friday at eight in the morning. How about that? It's uh, Dr. William McGee of the the, the Haggard um, Equine Medical Institute. Uh, I know he's in his late 90s. Uh, he's one of the integral uh, members of the foundation of that Lexington uh, Equine Clinic that's uh, very famous. And uh, his granddaughter is going to bring her, him over. He uh, reportedly has, has seen all 12 Triple Crown winners, or actually will be meeting American Pharaoh tomorrow will we'll, 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 we'll make it uh, number 12. And so that ought to be something pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's absolutely amazing. I was trying to do the, the math. I, I don't know when he saw Sir Barton. 
1919, the 1919 winner. Uh, but uh, at, at some point, he saw him, according yeah, to uh, yeah. the family. <laughs> sure, sometime during after his retirement, I guess. That's right. And, and by the way, he's treated a number of the Triple Crown winners. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be great. Bob Baffert can't wait to meet him. I know Rick Pitino's making the uh, arrangements. He's going to uh, come by and see American Pharaoh maybe on Saturday morning at some point. It's, it, 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 he's just, hey, man, it's nonstop appointments for, uh, to uh, hail the king. Well, I, I know that normally you and John get a chance to take a well-deserved uh, breath of uh, of relief after uh, after the Kentucky Derby goes. But let me tell you, this thing is pumped up. It seems like it's it's almost as big as Derby Week. I mean, Saturday's going to be fantastic. Boy, John, you're you're not kidding. In fact, Saturday night, I do think we'll be. Uh, you know, we don't make predictions on, on, on crowds, but I can tell you right now, it, we're staffing for a very, very large crowd. It's going to be very exciting. And by the way, if you're coming down, you know, night racing, we always have themes for Downs After Dark. It's, it's, our, it's our fifth annual white party. So uh, it, wear an all-white wardrobe if, if you can, if you want to take part in the theme of the evening. Uh, but uh, it should be a, be a big, big crowd. We've got meaty interest, uh, uh, you know, Ed McNamara from Newsday is coming in from New York. ESPN sending in the crew. And if you can't make it out to Churchill Downs, be sure to watch all the action on NBC Sports Network. Uh, the team from NBC is going to be broadcasting live from 8 until 10 p.m. Uh, you'll get three of the four stakes races live, plus all the American Pharaoh uh, uh, parade and, and tribute. Um, should be a great, great evening to celebrate horse racing. Well, I'm going to do my best to get down there. Just want to let you know, most of my white shirts have a little mustard on them, but I hope that won't ruin the evening. And while I'm there, I promise I will walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> that sounds good, partner. Hope to see All you right. down here. Uh, we've been talking with Darren Rogers, one of the busiest guys in racing right now. Uh, what a show it's going to be. And, again, we, we told you at the top of the show, and Darren just did, that there's going to be two hours. They extended the coverage. So there will be a two hours uh, of coverage. So if you can't make it, you will be able to watch it. It's going to be a great event. Uh, let's wrap our arms around American Pharaoh and take this for the, the ride of our life. Because believe me, uh, Thoroughbred Racing sure could use it. All of you are ambassadors to the sport. Get out there. Tell your friends. Uh, turn on the TV or make the drive to Louisville. This is going to be a historic Saturday at Churchill Downs. So I want to thank uh, Darren Rogers, and then we're going to switch gears and go to another guy from Louisville, and that's Byron King, who's going to break down the action after we talk Triple Crown. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, when I saw that all the action was going to be down at Louisville, I thought, what better than to reach out to a graduate of the University of Arizona racetrack industry, a guy that's a legendary Kentucky handicapper and columnist for the Daily Racing Forum. He's the king of Louisville, Kentucky, and that's Byron King, no stranger to winning ponies. Byron, thanks for coming back on. Hey, my pleasure. That's quite an introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that. You can, you can. Hey, uh, I've got a couple quick questions for you at the top. Number one, where were you when it happened, and what was the reaction of you and the people around you? Well, unfortunately, I I didn't have the best um, location for it. I had, um, uh, we had a lot of, I was covering the races at Churchill Downs, and we had just run a stakes race. Uh, immediately before it. it was about a half hour before it and you know like like everything in in, in the newspaper business you know and, and with the internet they want the story published as soon as you can so i was writing the story and then took a pause for a few minutes to watch the race and so i was in the the press box at churchill downs which was uh, very empty. Uh, I literally watched it all by myself, so I, I did not have the um, the benefit of uh, being. You know, I would have loved to have been around the fans and and stuff like that. But uh, you know, work called, right? So uh, what are you going to do? Well, uh, all I can say is I'm sure you you felt some kind of vibe. I did. I I locked myself in the steward's office uh, here at Belterra Park because I, I don't like to be around too many people when. These big events are going on because there's chatter going on. People are having a good time, and you don't get to hear some of the analysis. And, and I hate when you can't hear the race call. So I locked myself in the steward's office and watched the race, and it was just so invigorating as a fan of the game to listen to the fans of Cincinnati go nuts when he turned for home on the big board. I mean, I was just uh, to talking to Darren Rogers. I mean, it just gave you goosebumps. And it was just neat to see that there's that many people that are still psyched about the sport and will always remember the fact that they saw a Triple Crown winner because I'm sure more than half of them weren't alive when affirmed one. Yeah, and you know, and, and in my case, you know, I was just a wee pup. You know, I, I was six years old, uh, so I certainly didn't remember it. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, it it um, it was. It, we got to see history, you know, and uh, really, it's funny. I I had though it was great to see. You know, I I have to say that 
I really had hoped for it a little more last year. I was a little more jazzed for it last year, not in any uh, when California Chrome was going for it because he was a little bit more of a Cinderella story, and I happened to be at Belmont that day, and so it was a little more magical for me than being cooped up in a press box by myself. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> um, so uh, I, you know, and then I was kind of like, oh shucks, I should have been there, you know. So, um, but what can you do? But um, it was certainly, uh, um, and I really have to tip my hat to. Bob Baffert and his whole staff, they have been so accommodating of this horse um, in terms of sharing him with the public. You know, um, of course, he's going to be parading Saturday, but, you know, when he gets off the van and uh, it it was a kind of a surreal scene, I think it was, what was it, Sunday, he came back from... Uh, from from New York, and he landed in Louisville, and they literally had John and I, I was on the backstretch just to report him coming in, you know, and and that he was fine and so forth. And but there were fans and TV crews there, but they literally had two media helicopters following the horse fan to Love Churchill it. Downs after he won. I mean. Um, I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, yeah, but a police escort <laughs> certainly too, right? wouldn't be what I would consider thrilling television, but uh, but nevertheless, it speaks to uh, uh, how much coverage this horse is getting. Well, I, I think one of the very most important things, in my opinion, because I've had this argument with people over the years, and I always felt that I was right, is let, let's put to bed all the people that want to change the dates of the races, the distance of the races, the times between the races. What I say is if you want to have, you know, your name lined up against, uh, you know, Seattle Slough and Secretariat and Affirmed and Citation and Sir Barton, you got to do what they did. Good point. I won't argue with you. You just said that very eloquently, so there's nothing I can add to it, but I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I just could never understand the argument. Well, hey, let, let, let's tee off from the women's tees, you know. No, there's a reason why it, that the Belmont's called the test of champions because you prove you're a champion by going a mile and a half uh, during the, the grueling five-week period, you know. And so I, I just hope that that argument doesn't raise it, its stupid head again. It's like because people were saying it can't be done anymore. There was a study coming out about uh, the effect of Lasix on calcium on bones, and so no horse will ever win the Triple Crown again. I don't know if you read any of that stuff that was flying around the days before the Triple Crown, but uh, I'm just so glad we, we can move forward. Uh, racing's got another Triple Crown winner, and probably most importantly, and I think you'll agree with me here, is that the Zayats have the condition in their uh, syndicate agreement that they've got control of the horse till the end of the year. Yeah, that's that's outstanding, you know. So it's hopefully, you know, they've talked about maybe running them three times uh, the remainder of the year. I think that's a, certainly a possibility. I mean, they. Um, yeah, I'm always a little fearful that when a horse like this becomes, um, you know, so valuable, um, everyone expects him to win by multiple lengths uh, in his races that, unfortunately, the, the bar is set so high that, 
you know, I could see a stud farm or something being very reluctant to, or not wanting to take the risk of a loss, you know. So um, that is exciting to see, and it should be, you know, it's not good. It would be fantastic to see him at the Breeders' Cup and and in, you know, two preps or something before that, um, wherever they fall. But, I mean, some interesting stuff. I was reading that Canterbury Park is talking about trying to lure him with a, Two million dollar purse, and uh, um, I mean it's uh, you know he's he's a star. So they're I'm sure a lot of these tracks are going to be putting together some incentive programs to try to land them um, pre Breeders Cup. Well, let's face it. Uh, the way I see it, and this is just little old John Englehart uh, uh, talking to Byron King, is you know Baffert owns the Haskell. The Haskell has always played pretty good to a horse that's got some early speed. And I think with uh, with his record in the Haskell and the timing of the race, it just seems like a perfect fit. You know, other races may try to lure him. Uh, I'm sure the Haskell won't have any problem about uh, writing a few extra things into the clause. I, I just got a feeling that's where he's going to end up going next. I, I think that's a logical, logical um, place for him. Um, you know, and I think that they'll try to. He has had a very, you know, I'll do credit to this horse if, as if he doesn't need any more. Um, you know, you realize that his preps that preceded the Kentucky Derby were a little closer in proximity in terms of, uh, well, proximity is wrong word, but in terms of timing than uh, some of the others, you know, uh, I believe the, if I remember right, the Arkansas Derby, I think, was three weeks out. So, um, you know, you're talking, uh, not only did he have uh, three races in five weeks, you know, he had four in, in eight weeks. So he's had a, yeah. and then before that, the Rebels. So, he, you know, he he ran pretty hard, but he's just such an effortless kind of horse. Uh, just really a, a remarkable animal who can... Uh, very efficient, recover from races well, and, you know, has speed but isn't speed crazy and just, you know, relaxed. You know, when I saw the Belmont and when he made the front, you know, the race didn't look like it had a lot of pace on paper, but sometimes horses will will kind of run off a little on their own, just maybe the, the excitement of the crowd, but he just slowed down, those ears went up, and he was just cruising around there, and you knew it was pretty much game over. But, um, yeah, I think the Haskell fits in the mix. You know, there's the possibility I could see of, um, you know, the Pennsylvania uh, Derby there. Um, I believe there's an extra bonus involved there. And, of course, Baffert used that race last year for... um, uh, prepping um, Byron, who won the the classic, um, but who who knows? You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'd like to um, have a start at Keeneland. You know, maybe he'll run run at Keeneland before the Breeders' Cup. I, I have no idea. Or you maybe tackles older horses in the Jockey Club. But um, certainly the Haskell is, uh, I think, a, um, a a good good race for him and. Of course, the Travers is very historic and prestigious. So, but I think uh, if I were a betting, if you could offer betting on that, uh, I think I'd bet with you there and vote on the Haskell probably. I would, and I just can't imagine how many calls the connections have had from from the people in Lexington at Keeneland. I mean, number one, this 
the fact that they're having the Breeders' Cup there, and now to have the potential of a Triple Crown winner running in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I'm sure even though all their seats are going to be sold out, they're going to find a few extra boxes for the friends of the Zayats and the Bafferts. Absolutely. So <laughs> it should be... Um... It should be interesting. You know, one thing that is amazing, and before we move on to other subjects, but I think it speaks a little bit to why some of these horses are retired so quickly. The Do you know how much it costs for, like, to insure a horse for mortality, like it's a race horse, um, like a stallion-type prospect, just as a percentage basis? No, you no, know, and I understand the Zayats uh, had to pay through the nose. Yes, well, it's approximate. It's staggering. It's approximately ten percent of the horse's estimated value a year. Now, you know there may be slightly different rates available, but the point of the matter is, is with this horse, you know, I think it's leaked out exactly how much he. What did he get offered? It was in the teens, million wise, and then he got a kicker if he won the Triple Crown, which of course he did. So this horse is valued at, you know. Twenty-five million or whatever it might be. So, you know, he's having to be insured now. They've, I'm sure, they've had to up their premiums. I mean, at the equivalent. Granted, they're only paying a half year the rest of the way, but the equivalent of two and a half million a year, say, give or take. Uh, that's a lot of dough um, that you have to win, isn't it? So um, Yeah, but I yeah. gladly do it. So that's one of the reasons we see, I think, sometimes these really valuable stallion prospects whisked off to stud because the insurance rate is much lower on a, on a stallion than it is on a racehorse, although even there uh, the insurance rate is very high. It's... Um, it's just um, it's far beyond, in my personal opinion, the the actual chance of mortality. But but obviously these insurance companies are in the business of making money. So what are you going to do? Well, the Zayas got it right now, and certainly he's probably worth every penny. Here's what we're going to do: we're talking with uh, Byron King, the King of Louisville, and one of the top handicappers with the Daily Racing Form. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to try to squeeze in to win and you're in Breeders' Cup races, the Stephen Foster Handicap and the Fleur de Lis. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum. He's always been so kind enough to uh, to join us here on uh, Winning Ponies uh, to give us his uh, analysis of uh, racing as a whole and specific races. Uh, if you go on the Daily Racing Forum, you'll see that uh, he's often a, a weekend warrior, giving some of his best bets out uh, to you through the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, what's become one of the top races in the country, the Stephen Foster Handicap, we're on the 34th running. It's a grade one, half a million dollars up for grabs. It's a mile and an eighth, kind of an abbreviated field, but, man, deep in talent, um, and all of it coming from different directions. You've got a commissioner who's coming off two solid grade three wins. Then you've got Leah, who since has been turned over to the Bill Mott barn, has turned into an absolute monster, especially if you like to look at buyer figures. The question is, will it have the Dubai bounce feature? And then you've got Opportunity, who uh, hasn't been out since February at Santa Anita, but ran behind uh, two horses you may have heard of, Shared Belief and California Chrome. Last time this horse ran at Churchill Downs, it won the Clark Handicap with a buyer of 104. Mike Smith coming in town to ride that horse. Uh, those seem to be the three headliners in here, not to say that there, there is another talent in Majestic Harbor, Cat Burglar, Paganol, or Noble Bird. So... As always, I like to paint with a broad brush, Byron, um, on those horses that I mentioned who kind of uh, pricked your ears up. Well, my top choice is Commissioner. Um, I really like how this horse has performed this year. He's won two straight grade three races, the Skip Away and the Pimlico Special. Both have been um, very nice races. He ran very fast in winning the skip away and he was a dominant winner of the Pimlico special both those races were a mile and three sixteenths he also has a good record at a mile and eighth I think he just might have a little bit of a fitness edge on Lee um, who hasn't run since third in the Dubai World Cup in March now of course trainer Bill Mott is no stranger to bringing horses back um, from Dubai over the years and he's often used uh, this um, day is a day to bring him back. I think he ran Royal Delta, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a time or two in, in maybe the Florida Lee, um, um, the filly there, the great filly that she was um, uh, as a racehorse. Um, so I, I'm not fully, I don't know if I necessarily buy the whole Dubai bounce kind of thing, but at the same time, I think whenever a horse is coming off a layoff of you know, a little less than three months, and I had my preference between that horse and one that's run within a month. Um, that would be, or so, that would be, I'd take the horse off a month or so. So my choice is commissioner, but I also respect Lee. And then I'd like um, a little bit of a long shot, and I have, and that appears in the daily racing form on Saturday, I put together a, a pick four ticket um, that utilizes the daily racing form's ticket maker 
um, um, strategy of, of putting together tickets with horses that you consider top contenders, which are A plays, and then lesser contenders or just little outsiders that you think might sneak in there. And they're kind of like B plays. And my B play in there is a horse by the name of Cat Burglar, who's eight to one, another Bob Baffert horse who has shown talent at times and seems to be rounding into form. He, unlike Opportunity, is not coming back from a layoff. And Baffert has a history, too, of sometimes striking with his uh, more overlooked of horse when he runs two in, in a big race. Yes. Yes, he does. Now, um, uh, in, in reference to Lee with the Dubai bounce, I, I do see that this horse was training lights out up at the Saratoga training track, had the best worst work of 69 on June 6th, and Opportunity uh, really seems to have a, an affinity for the Churchill Strip and uh, ha- has been working very well over the, over that track. So um, whatever way you, you, you put it, this, this is going to be uh, a very contentious race. I can't argue with you on the, on the recent form of commissioner, though, Byron. Again, this will be the first win and you're in for uh, the, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now, a win and you're in for the ladies will be the Fleur de Lee handicap. This is the 40th running, 200,000 on the line. It's listed as a grade two right now. And uh, this race, a little bit of a bigger field, um, but you still got some interesting angles. Um, shipping in from Santa Anita, my sweet addiction. Mike Smith, the regular rider, comes in uh, to, to ride for uh, Martin Jones. Uh, this horse had been running in some optional claimers and had a big jump up last time, winning the Grade One Vanity. But she's going to be going up against uh, some horses coming out of the La Troyan, uh that certainly make a good case for themselves uh, in uh, in Tis Windy and and Sheer Drama. Uh, not to mention the uh, the, the experienced. Uh, horse that doesn't know what track it wakes up at, uh, Yahuwaya, if I'm saying that right. Jim Cassidy uh, trains that one. What do you think about this race? It's it's pretty wide open. Yes, I, I, I think that Sheer Drama is the most likely winner, but I don't think she has a huge margin for error. Uh, obviously, in the she was, for those that happened to be out on Oaks Day, you know, she was second in the La Troyana, grade one, behind Molly Morgan who is a filly with an affinity for the Churchill Downs track and who is not in this race, unfortunately, because she's been retired. But uh, Molly Morgan had this flying-up-the-rail trip that she enjoys very much and kind of got the jump on Sheer Drama coming into the lane, and Sheer Drama just kind of grinded out a uh, runner-up finish, just edging gold medal dancer who's in the race. And just a length behind uh, her was Tiz Windy in fourth. So not a lot of room for error. However, she is a winner at a mile and an eighth, and she also has a runner-up finish at a mile and an eighth. Gold medal dancer, on the other hand, is more of a seven furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth type of horse. And I think without the luxury of making the lead and going slow, she might go back a length or two, uh, as I I could foresee it, um, going a mile and an eighth. As for my sweet addiction, I honestly don't like her. I think she won the vanity. It was only a four-horse field, and 
one of the handicapping strategies that I like to to use is I upgrade horses that perform well in bigger fields, assuming the you know the quality of competition is relatively the same. Reason being, you know, if you beat more horses, you you know you beat on you beat more competition. You know, uh, this horse I think was ran in the vanity simply because well they needed every horse they could to run in the vanity, and um, <laughs> they only had four in there. Warren's Vanita was the heavy favorite, didn't really fire, and this horse got to go forty eight and three, one thirteen on the lead at Santa Anita, which is like. Walking out there, um, they they usually throw up really fast fractions. By comparison, the La Troyenne went in forty six and four and one eleven and change. So that just gives you an idea of the easy pace my sweet addiction enjoyed. So she's a toss for me. I, I think if she's anywhere near five to two, like her morning line, she's she's an overbet horse. So my advice to betters in this race would be to take a stand against her, especially you know with Mike Smith in town and all that. She's going to have her share of support. Uh, others that I like in there, I could still see Gold Medal Dancer running well. Tis Windy, and then as you mentioned, the horse whose name is a bit difficult to to say. I'm going to call it. Yahilwa. So um, she won the 60 sales at a mile and an eighth, and then last time was in a speed duel and ran second to Stop Charging Maria in um, a grade three at Pimlico, and Stop Charging Maria is a multiple graded winner. So it's a it's an intriguing race. Sheer Drama is definitely the most likely winner, but I, you know, she better not stub her toe because she she's only got I think um, she can't show up with her her lesser one of her lesser efforts, but she's a very honest horse. Well, Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum, thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies. Uh, I'm hoping uh, that uh, I get a chance to see you on Saturday. I'll be down in uh, your hometown, Louisville, uh, making my way through the crowd at Churchill, wearing something that resembles white. Yeah, i, I got to find a white outfit myself, buddy, you know. Um, so, um, I, uh, we'll, we'll have to check our wardrobes, and uh, but definitely I look forward to it. Bring your camera. I'm sure there will be a lot of great pictures to take. You know I will. Well, thanks so much. We've been talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum, and I want to thank so much for Darren Rogers for updating us on all of the inside information of what goes into the delivering the Triple Crown Trophy and now delivering the Triple Crown winner to America's public. So, for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart looking across the manicured turf course uh, to the Ohio River past the hills of Kentucky. I want to hope that you all have a slew of winners. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.